Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Good morning, family. As you can see, I'm sharing the word with my bestie today. And we have been married 21 years. This coming Thursday, we will be celebrating 21 years of marriage. So finally, our marriage has matured, Greg. It has, used the, it has reached the age of maturity. So it's good that we can uh, be able to speak today on the topic of how to build friendship in marriage after we've been trying to figure it out for 21 years. <laughs> I want to welcome those who are joining us online. Thank you for being with us this morning. I also just want to say, uh, Professor Amadi, not only is his birthday, just recently he was appointed as head of the School of Anatomical Sciences at WIT. Yeah, yeah, we can celebrate that. And we have a fan here because she also works at the same school. Ashla, good to have you here with us. Awesome. Yeah, uh, it was in the first service that uh, Quinton said that there's some amazing people in this church. All of you sitting here, all of you online, we thank you that you have chosen to make this family your community, your church. We consider it a privilege, my wife and I, to lead this church. From time to time, we pinch ourselves that God has chosen us to lead this church, so we do not take it for granted. Amen. So we started the sermon series called Redefine two weeks ago, and I spoke about friends with benefits. And we said we need to refine what the world calls friends with benefits, because we know what the world says, but as children of God, friends with benefits is different. Friends with benefits is those friends that will celebrate you, those friends that want to see you succeed and become all that God has called you to be. Those are the types of friends you want to have, right? Not the friends that when you reveal that there's a new variant of COVID, they close their borders. I thought I should just throw it in there, you know? You know, like we're being punished for being transparent. Let's just face it, you know? It's, It's unfortunate that we've been treated this way. So I can see our scientists are going to be very silent going forward. But, uh... I just want us to just continue to trust God that he will save lives even during this uh, fourth wave of COVID. We trust God to protect us during this time. Amen. As we continue to take all the necessary precaution. I liked what Katie shared earlier, even through prayer. You know what? We're not waiting for the family meeting to know what God has for us. God already has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Amen. Amen. So our topic today is, um, oh, by the way, I wanted to mention, uh, Tony spoke last week about, not Tony, Quentin, you're twins, right? Quentin spoke last week about redefining what friend zone means. It means a place of belonging, finding your tribe, finding your people, and that's what we hope this church can be for you. Finding those uh, friends that will celebrate you, that will support you in what God has called you to be. And uh, 12 o'clock in evening service, CJ preached up a storm. You can get it online because what I like about what CJ shared was uh, if you are looking at dating online, there's a few things that you need to check out. And she spoke vulnerably and she spoke some great things. And one of the things that's important is 
Be the person you want that other person to be. Be that person. If you have a list of things that you're looking for, be that person first. Amen. So even though we're talking about friends with uh, friendship within marriage, if you're single, please don't check out. Because this relates to you as much as it relates to married people. Because the way you show up now to your friends as a single person, that's how you're going to show up in marriage. That's how you're going to be. So we think that, no, I'll fix myself when I get married. Rather do it now. So today we are talking about friendship in marriage. And I want to just uh, say we built our marriage, my wife and I, we built friendship in marriage not by luck, but by intentionality and by laying down our lives to each other. Mm. We've laid down our lives for each other. It was the words of Jesus in John 15, 13, when he said, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for a friend. So the greatest love of all is dying to self. If you really say you choose to love the other person, that's when you choose to love them for who they are without wanting them to change, to become the way you want them to be. We like to say to couples that we work with pre-marriage that, if you're not willing to die, you're not ready to get married. Yeah. If you're not willing to die to self, you are not ready to get married. I said this at our wedding, that the reason why I believe we will not divorce is because I locked in the door and I threw the key outside and I said, I'm going to make this work. And boy, my wife knows that I mean it. Over to you, babe. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, I'm really excited that, you know, the past two weeks have laid a foundation about friendship. And as someone said that, you know, um, friendship is not done in marriage. It's first done while we are single. Actually, most of who we are and what we do in marriage is started while we are single. Except sex. Don't go around practicing sex before you get married. That's the only thing that you can preserve for when you get married. But, you know, I I want you as a single person to not check out because this conversation affects you as much as it affects us married people. We want you to hold us accountable to the vows that we have made. You know, a good marriage is done well with thin community. A journey of singleness is done well within community, not in isolation. So please do hold us accountable. And I've had conversations with, you know, single people who have really checked out of the institution of marriage because of the brokenness that is in marriage. We are not presenting marriage well. So I pray that today we are trusting that, you know, God will restore hope, will restore that picture of marriage today. And if your marriage is, you know, struggling, the well of friendship is, 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 is drying up, we pray that God will restore that. And please come up here after we preach. Let's pray for you. This is, there's no shame in this. There is no shame in this. We know that there are things that are coming into marriage unaware. Some of them, we are aware of them. We allow them, and they drift us apart. Martin Luther, a 16th century monk and theologian, actually is an ex-monk, 
was one of the significant figures in Christian history. He belie- his beliefs helped birth reformation. Famous for challenging some of the teachings within Roman Catholic about marriage and encouraging priests to get married and saying that, you know, there is no conflict between your calling and marriage. And we know that he denounced celibacy. He was very instrumental in orchestrating uh, the escape of group of nuns and monks in their respective cover, cover, what is it? Coven, convent. Convent. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and almost all the nuns got married except one nun, Catherine von Bora, who later found him and said, Hey, you got me into this situation, you're going to marry me. <laughs> you go, girl. Reluctantly, he marries her. <laughs> and it is said Martin Luther found peace when he married Catherine von Bora. And he said of his decision, I made the angels laugh and the devil weep. <laughs> there is no more lovely, friendly, and charming relationship, communion, or company than a good marriage. Yeah. A good marriage can be achieved. And as someone said, this is not luck. This 21 years that you see here, we see over 21 years there. Yeah, it's not luck, people. This is legacy. This is the legacy that we want to leave for our children and our children's children. This is intentionality. This is putting Christ right at the center of our marriages. So let's go to the word of God. Genesis 2, verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You know, the leaving is not just for men. We also, as women, need to leave. Yeah. I struggle a lot with the leaving, especially in the area of you know, emotional leaving and financial leaving. I'm the last born at home. When we got married, Simon was doing his honors project with Unilever, so we were living on a stipend. I had just um, you know, uh, finished my contract with work, and they didn't renew it, so we were living tight. We budgeted for just two meals, <laughs> Breakfast and dinner. And, 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 and in between, you know, when someone was at work, when his boss takes him out for lunch, he would eat half and leave half for me and bring it home for me. And that was really special. In the meantime, my dad was living just not far from us. And every time he had a habit of calling, and I don't know how did he know, uh, but it's when the fridge is really empty, there's a bottle of water. You know those moments when there's just like a bottle of water. And after our conversation, then he will ask, are you, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Are you really, really okay? And, you know, there's a temptation for me to say, hey, can you please just some, something, you know, some money here and there. But I, have, I had to be very disciplined not to dishonor our marriage, not to, you know, undermine this cleaving that we are trying to, to do here. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that don't ask for help from your parents when you are in a fix. There is a way of doing it in such a way that it doesn't undermine what you are trying to do in your marriage. So relationship, um, sorry, how do we do friendship in marriage? Ephesians 5 from verse 25 to 31 
Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that he might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his, his father and mother, and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. It is a beautiful union of intimacy that Christ has with us as a church. He left his place of supremacy. He left his place of authority to come and join himself to us. Left his father to come and join to us the imperfect church. Relationship requires sacrifice. We give something, we gain something. You can't have the best of both. In some cases, you have to sacrifice. So Paul suggests in Ephesians 5 that our marriages should reflect the picture of Christ loving the church with its imperfections, wrinkles, and stains. And so, if we are dissatisfied with the picture that we have in our marriages, that it is imperfect, that I didn't sign up for this, remember, you are the imperfect person who got into that marriage. You know, not everything that Simon does makes me happy. I wrestle with his imperfections. I know it's hard to believe that he is imperfect, but he is. And he wrestles with my imperfections. But guess what? We wake up every morning, we choose each other. We choose to be kind to each other. We choose to honor each other. We choose to pursue one another, we choose to forgive one another. Because we make mistakes. You know, I can't guarantee someone that I will not be at fault. But because we choose that we will forgive each other, we live happily ever after. (laughs) So God lives with our imperfections as well all the time, but he chooses to pursue us. He chooses to love us extravagantly. In fact, anything that promises you perfection outside of Christ and outside of your marriage is counterfeit. It is counterfeit. And do you know what with counterfeits? They don't last forever. They are not meant to last forever. They will break you more than you were broken, and they will hurt you even more. So your fantasies may mislead you that there is somebody perfect out there, Mm -hmm. that the grass is greener on the other side. Tend your garden. Make your garden beautiful with its imperfection. Be patient, be kind, pursue one another. For our marriages to mirror the picture of Christ and the church, we need to put God first. The first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
God must be our first and our spouse second. I am safe for as long as Simon puts God first. And he, I, he is safe as long as I put God first. So we pursue God first. The deeper our intimacy with God, the deeper the level of intimacy between us will be. There is no other way. Our friendship in marriage is supposed to mirror the friendship within the triune God. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit live in permanent, plural, complementary, ordered, and loving union. I do not see abuse in this picture. I do not see oppression in this picture. I do not see neglect in this picture. But it is a union of honor and a union of, you know, they complement each other. So if you are not pursuing friendship and intimacy with your spouse, then there is something that you are pursuing. You are probably pursuing your career. You are pursuing your children more than you are pursuing your spouse. Maybe you are busy. And all these things, they make us drift. Mm. You know, you put too much... Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You, you, You spend a lot of time... On, on, on Xbox, you spend a lot, a lot of time on social media scrolling. It is taking the bond and the connection that you are supposed to have with each other. And that's where mar- um, friendship in marriage implodes. So we're going to speak about how to leave and cleave now. Great. Yeah, thank you, babes. Okay. Um, so Lindy was laying the foundation of why is friendship important in marriage? So now we're going to look at what does it mean to leave and cleave. Something that has helped us, which I believe is so important for us today, is if you leave well, you will cleave well. If you leave well by setting boundaries, you will cleave well in the new communion that God has called you to, which is the communion of marriage. So establishing clear boundaries is very, very important with our families. So let's look at some of the boundaries we need to establish. So establishing boundaries physically means I take that all of us, we love our parents, we love our families, but we need to set boundaries as to how far they can get involved with our marriages. It is important because you need to build a new identity and a new culture for that new relationship that you're building. So let me give you an example of how to build um, uh, boundaries physically. So in the first year of marriage, we decided that we're going to spend Christmas with my family, and uh, everything was hunky-dory, everything was fine, because they thought that now Lindy's married to my side of the family, now we're all going to do Christmas with my family. No, that was not the plan. The following year, we spent Christmas with Lindy's side of the family, and my family started wondering, what's going on here? So, Because you're now starting to deal with cultural issues here. But we needed to teach them that, hey, this is a different family. We're going to have our own culture, a different culture to the culture that you have. Year three, we decide we're not going to my family. We're not going to go to Lindy's family. Another chaos, another crisis. But it was our way of teaching them new culture, 
This is a new culture. This is a new identity. And we need to be building those boundaries physically. Even how we spend holidays, we cannot be with our families all the time. We need to establish boundaries emotionally. Emotionally cleaving to your spouse means that your spouse is your priority. You share deep matters of the heart with your spouse. This is what I have discovered. If you hide things from your spouse, they can tell. Especially with women, they've got the sixth sense. They can tell. But also I know if I am hiding things from Lindy or if Lindy's hiding things from me, I can tell because there's a distance that happens. It's just there. You just feel distant to one another because we're hiding things from each other. So if we want to honor our relationships, we will honor them by being vulnerable. Mm. We will honor them by sharing our struggles, our challenges, even the deep things that trouble us. If we don't do that in the safety of our marriages, we're going to make the mistakes of sharing with other people. And that's where the will starts to fall off. Let not your spouse hear things for the first time from your parents, from your friends, even from your therapist. May I even say from your pastor that you've been seeing for counseling. They must hear it first from you. That's Matthew 18. And I know that mistakes will happen. We will fail each other in this area. But forgiveness is a weapon we must use. Otherwise, the enemy will use unforgiveness as a weapon to create a wedge between us. You know, Lindy likes to say, I've been waiting for this moment where I can quote my wife. A good marriage is made out of two good forgivers. A good marriage is made out of two good forgivers. Why we've kept our marriage, we've had to forgive each other for so many things, so many times. As much as I think that I'm perfect, Lindy has proven to me that I'm not. That's what marriage will do for you. And if you're not emotionally transparent with your spouse, as I said, you don't realize that's how you start cheating. Mm. Cheating isn't always kissing, touching, flirting. If you've got to delete some text messages on your phone, sorry, you're already there. You are already there. Why would you want your spouse not to see what is on your phone? When you've built trust in your relationship, this is how it should be. I don't need to check Lindy's phone. She doesn't need to check my phone. But if ever I needed to use her phone for whatever reason, she doesn't have to like, all of a sudden, I need to check a few things before she gives me the phone. I know her pin code. She knows my pin code because there'll be emergencies. And anytime Lindy wanted to check anything from my phone, I'm open because I've got nothing to hide. And that's how marriages should be. We're saying this because we know that many a couple, many people have fallen into the trap of emotionally cheating, even without realizing that you're emotionally cheating your spouse. Cleaving emotionally means being bare emotionally before each other and one another. It means you become responsible to treat that space of vulnerability with honor. Don't use what your spouse shared with you against them. Because sometimes our spouses share things that are deep, that are challenging, that they are wrestling with. Now we shouldn't use that against them. Treat that space of vulnerability with care. It is very important for us 
as men that if we want to have a friendship or a lady wants to have a friendship with me, that they'll also become friends with Lindy. You've heard me say that two weeks ago. And that has protected our marriage. If any guy wants to go for coffee with Lindy, go watch a movie, I'm there. I am there. <laughs> yeah, we've been to a movie with Greg. He's a good friend. <laughs> we won't tell you which movie we watched. <laughs> Establish boundaries. Those boundaries will protect your marriage. Establish boundaries financially, living and cleaving financially. How do you build a legacy for future generations? Is making sure that you're not constantly helping at home without setting boundaries. So the way Lindy and I did it is before we got married, I explained to her that I'm the firstborn child and my dad was not working. He had taken early retirement due to ill health and I was helping my sisters who were still going through school and I had to explain to her that this is some of the responsibilities I have. And we got into this marriage with that expectation and we made sure that we do not sacrifice our needs because of the other needs from outside. So we can help, but we were very clear on how we help. When it comes to food, education, and health, that we prioritize. When it's sneakers, airtime, data, sorry, undeasy. <laughs> we are not coming. The reason I use that example is because, again, families can be encroaching in our relationship with all these requests, and before you know it, it gets between the two of us. So you need, as a couple, to have a philosophy on generosity. For example, I do believe that whenever we want to give somewhere, it's important for us to pray about it together, and I've shared this before. Most of the times, 99% of the time, Lindy and I will actually, she will have an amount, I'll have an amount, and the amount will be exactly the same. It's a philosophy of generosity that we have. Finally, establish boundaries with work. Andy Stanley puts it this way. The issue is never am I cheating. The issue is where am I cheating? Am I cheating at home or am I cheating at work? He says when you consider the limited number of hours we have in a day, there is no way you can reach your full potential in all areas of your life. There's just not enough time. Something has to give either your work or your family, and you need to make a choice. Let me make this example. If you were to give your best friend a 20-kilogram rock or stone to carry for you, and you say, I'll come back in a few minutes, and they stand there waiting and waiting, and you're not coming back, will you be okay with them dropping the ball or dropping that stone? Because you, they waited and waited and you never came back. It's so sad that we will not do that to our friends, but we will do that to our loved ones. You know, what do we do? We say all those chores, especially for us men, all those invisible labor that we heard about yesterday, or worry work that our wives have to carry, not there in the Bible, whether it's uh, from lunchbox to swimming lessons, to dentist appointment, all these things they have to worry about. We say, keep carrying it. Things will get better when I get that promotion. Things will get better when I get that salary increase. Things will get better when I get that business deal. Before we know it, when we come back, they have gotten so tired and they don't want this marriage anymore. 
So I want to challenge us today. May we not sacrifice our marriages at the altar of temporal success. Let us not sacrifice our marriages. And Stanley writes, nobody gets to the end of life and wishes that they had spent more time at the office. Nobody. Nobody. When you're on your deathbed, you don't think, man, I should have clinched that deal. I should have done this. I should have done that. Most people, you ask them, when they are on their deathbed, studies have been made, they wish they could have spent more time with their loved ones. As we wrap up, the last thing we want to look at is how do we practically build friendship in marriage? Practically speaking, there's three things we do in terms of understanding intimacy. Into me, see. See inside of me. I'm vulnerable. I want you to do this thing together with you. And then Lindy is going to speak about the triple Ds that have kept us going in our marriage. So spiritual intimacy, it's like an equilateral triangle for those who love mats. A triangle with three equal sides. God at the top, you as pastors on the sides. The closer we get to God, the closer we get to one another. The more we move away from God, the more far away we move from each other. We drift without realizing. And a lot of couples that we have seen for counseling, it starts right there. When you lose your spiritual intimacy, it's because you started drifting. You moved away from God. Spiritual intimacy looks like praying together, making a point to do your best to pray together as much as possible, doing those family devotions together. Spiritual intimacy looks like listening to worship together and sharing with one another what God is revealing to you. You know, when we do our devotions with Lindy, we do them individually, but whatever the Lord is speaking to me, I share with her because I want her to see what God is doing in my heart. Emotional intimacy, we've been speaking a lot about uh, uh, emotions and the importance of being intimate with one another. Is realizing that the closer we are emotionally, it is easier to be physically intimate. The closer we are emotionally, it is when we are naked with each other emotionally, we feel safe with one another. And this is how we put it, when we are emotionally safe with one another, it is easier to have NIB conference. For those who don't know, NIB conference is naked in bed conference. (laughs) I find that some of us, we just want to go to the NIB conference, but we haven't done anything with spiritual intimacy and emotional intimacy. So let me speak to men. Spiritual intimacy, emotional intimacy, and NIB conference is going to be fireworks. (laughs) So next time you think of the men's conference, you should have done all the other things. Okay, I'm going to speak about the triple Ds, and these are the things that we have implemented in our marriage, um, you know, to keep our friendship going. So D number one is dialogue daily. I realized that, you know, one hour, someone didn't have capacity for one hour for me to pour out and ask, so how how are you doing? So we implemented 15 minutes every day of check-in. So we're checking in on each other's world. How are you doing? How is your world? How is your heart? Uh, Because we didn't want to wake up one day, a person is overloaded with emotions and they can't even you know, speak about what's happening or they don't even know where to begin. 
So dialogue daily, get into each other's worlds. Um, date weekly. So dates don't have to be expensive, guys. You can be creative. We've, we've become so creative even in this lockdown where we are dating at home. You know, we make a special meal and, you know, we may set up a table, a little table in our bedroom and our kids become our waiters and waitresses. Or we go to the garden to have a picnic together. Day, what is it? Date weekly. You know, and you know, now and then we will have a special dinner time outside, but make a point that you don't lose your date weekly. And then the third one is disappear quarterly. Even this one, it doesn't have to be expensive. You know, we are going through such a rough time, you know, most of us financially, but you can, you can disappear at home. Take your kids away if you have kids, you know, have friends, stay with them, take them to their grandparents if they are around, and disappear. The point of all this is to connect with each other without distractions, without all the busyness, because we know that when we allow other things to actually take up this time, before we know it, we have drifted. We are busy with our own things, and we don't even know what is happening here. So disappear quarterly, save up money, and even if it's just staycation here in Joburg around the city, go away because there's just something that it adds to the dynamic of the relationship when you are not in your normal space. Redefine one night stand. Redefine one night stand. Someone has taken my words. <laughs> in conclusion, I just want to read... Colossians 3, verse 12 to 17. Can we all stand, please? Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, Amen. which binds them all together in perfect unity. May the love of God and the love for one another drive us to perfect unity with each other. Father, we thank you for this amazing word, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the work of the cross that you are going to do today. Lord, I pray for every marriage in this place, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that, Lord, you will put um, you in that marriage, oh God. Um, inject some, some excitement, Lord Jesus, in marriages, oh God. Restore a picture of marriage the way you created it, Lord. Father, I pray for those struggling marriages today, Lord. I pray, mighty God, that, Lord Jesus, you will bring restoration, oh God. I pray that, Lord, you will bring hope, Lord Jesus, revive hope, oh God, in those marriages. And, Lord, we pray that, Lord, you will fill the well of friendship all over again. And, Father God, for the single people who have just checked out, Lord, and made vows that they don't want to get married because of the brokenness, Lord, we pray that you reverse those vows, Lord Jesus. 
We pray for healing. We pray for restoration, O God. Lord, we thank you that you have created marriage and you said that it is good. We thank you in Jesus' name.